but I, I see the pieces, but sometimes the pieces are hard, aren't they? You know, like my dad passed away on Thursday, really, though it was Friday when we discovered that he had passed away, and uh, I'd already written a sermon on Father's Day, a lot of which had to do with him, and he was scheduled to preach. I mean, he was scheduled to pray for all the dads that morning, and Larry did a, a marvelous job stepping in on my dad's behalf. And then I'd already picked a passage for this week, which you'll quickly see is a tough passage to preach in light of. It's tough, but wonderful. You know what I mean? It's tough emotionally, but it's wonderful because I think my dad fulfills these words. So we're doing a study on uh, the, the letters of the New Testament this summer. We're calling it Big Little Letters. And so far we've studied First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, we have First Timothy last week. Today is Second Timothy. Then uh, Scott is doing, what is Scott doing next week? Titus. And then Gabe's doing Philemon. So the next two weeks, uh, uh, the young guys are coming in uh, to relieve the old guy. So uh, today, though, we're on the second letter to, to Timothy. And this is considered by most biblical scholars Paul's last letter. I know, you know, chronologically, the New Testament is not in order. Neither is the Old Testament, for that matter, but... Second um, Timothy, uh, Paul is in prison in Rome. He's writing back to Timothy, his son in the faith, as we looked at last week. He feels like he's probably not going to get out of prison, which according to most uh, traditions, our tradition, um, he doesn't. And this is his kind of his swan song, his final word to his spiritual son. And so he, he hopes that Timothy is going to leave Ephesus and come to Rome. He asks him to come and to bring his coat. You know, it's so real, the Bible is. And hey, could you come and bring my coat and a couple of books, something to do, and hurry if you could. That's going to be in this letter. But um, at the same time, he's really wanting to say to his son the things he, he may not get to communicate in so many different ways, his spiritual son. So he's saying to him things like, hey, stand strong in the Lord. Stand strong. Um, commit, commit to others like I've done with you. Commit the Word of God to other people like I've taught it to you. Preach the Word. Be prepared to preach at any moment. Uh, endure hardship and affliction. By the way, I think many, much of the New Testament runs entirely contrary to the prosperity doctrine that we proclaim in many sectors today. Paul would not say, hey, get ready to endure hardship and affliction if his view was, hey, get ready to receive a new car. Uh, instead, he's saying, here's what, here's what this life holds. I'm enduring it. You're going to endure it as well. And indeed, Timothy, Timothy does in the days ahead, according to tradition. Uh, and, and he calls on him to fulfill his ministry as an evangelist. But in the middle of this, he wants to encourage him because the church at Ephesus is, at this point, most likely struggling. From what we've heard and seen and what uh, tradition holds, um, Paul came in and preached. Ephesian church did really well. Uh, some Judaizers, some others, some other guys that were with Paul have now turned against him and are preaching, and he excommunicates them in, in these letters and others. And 
The church at Ephesus is struggling, and Paul is not looking to Timothy to say, hey, son, you're messing up, you're losing people. Rather, he looks at him and says, stay strong. Keep on the path. Don't let up. And in first, uh, 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 8, here's what he says to Timothy. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Let me just comment really, really quick. Uh, we, we, obviously, we obviously see this in a current setting for us, and we've, we've claimed it. But it was just as true then as it is now. The church was struggling because people were coming in. False teachers were coming in and trying to turn people aside to what they wanted, wanted to hear. In other words, one of the things that they were wanting, there, there were two things that were going on here. There, there was the legalistic side, like you got to be Jewish to be Christian. And there was the other side that was also starting to raise its ugly head, which is this. Hey, once you get saved and your spirit man is renewed, then your physical body is different. You can't, you, anything you do to your physical is not going to harm your spiritual there's a basic thing called Gnosticism, which divides the spiritual and the, the, the physical. So how appealing is it to say to someone, look, hey, you're already saved. Live life like you want. Eat like you want. Have sex with whoever you want. You know, because your physical, it can't be touched because it's your spiritual. And so how popular is that? <laughs> okay, not only am I going to heaven and am I saved, but I can do whatever I want right now. Again, it doesn't seem like the messages change all that much. They just get repackaged. We hear the same thing. Get really legalistic or just live however you want. You're still going to go to heaven. Grace is so sufficient. You can do whatever you... And somewhere in between, Paul is trying to say, proclaim the word of God. Proclaim the truth of the word of God. He's trying to encourage Timothy to preach the word. Moving on. But you... Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I already, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. If you knew your time was short, if you knew you're on your way out, which Paul, he knows, he's not sure exactly how long, but he knows, he, <coughs> excuse me, he knows he doesn't have much time left. And you got an opportunity to say something to someone who is important to you, what would you want to say? How would you want to be remembered? Today, I want to talk about 
how Paul see the, sees this persevering to the end. Kind of some questions for us to reflect on. Because the truth is this, we're all in a terminal condition. Some may be shorter than others. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to be maudlin or just to manipulate you, but I, I, would, I had no idea that two weeks ago, Sunday, when my dad was here, that was it. That was going to be his last Sunday at church. No one could have known. And I'm not trying to, to emotionally manipulate you into saying, hey, you don't know. But can we be real? You, you don't know. None of us know what today or tomorrow holds. Paul didn't know, but he knew that his end was in sight. And so, I, I, you know, there's that old country song, live like you're dying kind of thing. Um, kind of that idea today. As we're, we're reflecting on these words of Paul, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Here's some points I'd like to point out. What kind of finish will you have? What kind of finish will you have? I'm just going to go through this second part of the scripture passage from 2 Timothy 4. He says, but you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. He's saying, hey, do the work, do the stuff, keep your head in all situations. Lord have mercy, I wish I could do this prayer, this thing. I wish I, wish I could keep my head in all situations. Hello? Maybe you're, you're, you're better at this than me. Um, <laughs> I could dismiss it. I come from a long line of angry men. You know, we, we get our tempers up in a minute. And it's been a battle, a lifelong battle for me to keep my head in all situations. And I'm not a fighting kind of guy. I mean, look at me. I'm not a fighting kind of guy. Um, but I, my tongue is like, it, it can be brutal. It can be brutal. Funny, but even in funny, it can be brutal. And so for me to keep my head in all situations is, it's a, it's a cry. And I think for us as well, endure hardships. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And then he says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And by the way, you know, Paul, he's, he's, his Old Testament um, knowledge is beyond, I mean, that, it's what he was. He was trained in this. And the drink offering was uh, uh, an offering which was poured out over a sacrifice. So um, you, went to the, you went to the temple, you gave your sacrifice, your burnt offering, it's being burned up. And then at times, that, that was your requirement. In other words, you were ordered to do this. This is what you're supposed to do to get your... Since forgiven, and sometimes there was a drink offering or a, a glass of wine poured out over the offering, which was a, a symbol of joy. It was not, I'm bringing this as a duty. It's like I'm, bringing, I'm doing this as a joy. That I'm making this sacrifice, this offering as a joy, and it was totally and completely poured out. And then because it was hitting the fire, it would go up as a sweet aroma before the Lord. Paul is seeing his life like that. I Here's the duty, the sacrifice, but I've done it with joy. I've done it as a drink offering. I'm being poured out. And what he's saying is I'm almost poured, so to speak. I'm almost totally, totally empty here. He's acknowledging the reality of his situation, that he is facing an imminent death. And 
Though we don't know the exact timing, within the following months, he is going to be martyred. He's going to be executed. And he's saying, I know I'm about to die here, and here's what I want to say to you, son. I want to say this, stay on course. Stay on course, finish well. For those of you who get tired of my running illustrations, I'm sorry, but he does say I've I'm finished the race, so I think it's appropriate uh, to throw a couple in here. Um, this, this is me finishing um, the Ironman race that I did like four years ago. You know, Ironman, is, it's, it's a really long, long race. Uh, it's um, a 2.4-mile swim, for those of you who aren't familiar, and I'm not bragging. I'm just trying to give you an idea. It's a 2.4. I could be bragging a little bit, but just stay with me. It's a 2.4-mile swim. It's a 112-mile bike, and then it's a 26.2-mile run. And so it's a long day. Um, and I, I, this is me at the finish. And, um, and I, I look decent here, really, for the day I've had. Uh, but I look better than I feel at this moment, uh, crossing crossing the finish line. And, and I've had a number of people say to me, how in the world did you do it? How did you finish this, this race? I don't know what the Druze are saying, but <laughs> probably something about my lack of mental state or something along the way. But how, how did you finish it? And here's what I want to say. I finished not because of race day. I finished because of the training. Um, the training got me to the finish line, not the race itself. Um, and, and, you know, the training st started for me six months prior to the race. Once we signed up and got in, all the training started then. And I planned out a six-month training regime that by the last two months, um, by the last two months, I was training, honestly, like 20 hours a week to get ready for the race. The race was hard, but not impossible because I, I, I did the, the, the training. And because I had friends and family there that were there to encourage me. This is me waving to my family, uh, but they stationed themselves out along the course, the friends and family. They, they, they put themselves at positions where they could encourage me and say, keep going, you're doing great, keep, keep moving Keep moving forward. Here's what I want to say to you. If you want to finish now, if you want to finish well, start now. Start now. You, you don't just kind of finish, you know what I mean, and finish well. You, you, the training is taking place now. So some of us are a little older, maybe our training time, maybe you haven't done much training for the finish of your life. Start where you are. Start where you are. And, and by training, I mean, give yourself to God's word. Love people. Uh, speak the word. Do what, I mean, Paul is basically saying to Timothy, hey, endure, endure hardship, meaning this is tough. No training is easy. Hello? No training is easy. It takes discipline to train. Um, and get ready to, to do those kind of things. Do the... Do the work that God has given you. He's saying to Timothy, your work is as an evangelist. This is what you're gifted at. Whatever you're gifted at, do that. However God has gifted you. Please, I, I want to say this with passion and love. Um, 
we just have to get out of the consumer mindset of the American church. In other words, this is about what I get out of church, not what I get to give. No, 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 no. It's what you get to give. To, it's what you get to give. God has given you a gift, a spiritual gift, in order to do what? Give it away for the purpose of, keep talking to me, TV, building up of what? The body of Christ, the church. He's given you this gift. He's given you this gift to help encourage the church, to build up the church, really to expand the kingdom of God. Are y'all going to look at a pretty blonde every time uh, she walks across? <laughs> Sometimes you should preach and just watch eyes. So, but that last truth was, it was really good, uh, which is, use your gift to build up the body of Christ. You're going to finish well. Another one of the things, um, another one of the things about finishing well is you do need people to help you. Uh, one of my other dreams, other than uh, finishing an Ironman, which was, was just, um, you know, I... Honestly, I had two goals in the Ironman. One was to finish. That was really, honestly, that was my goal. Just finish. And the second goal was to finish in under 14 hours. Um, and so some of you are looking at the clock. Yeah, if you look down at the bottom, I did it in 1337 uh, was my time. So, um, but let me say this. I trained with those two goals in mind. Num goal number one, just fall across the finish line. Goal number two, if things go right on that day, and they didn't go perfect, by the way. I had a flat tire and a bicycle, which is never a good thing uh, when you're, you're riding. So uh, it didn't go right, and it's not going to go right, but trying to comp train with the goals in mind. In other words, Paul is saying, I finished the race, and, and in the race, there's a finish line. What is the goal of the finish line? To finish well. And, and so Paul has given Timothy these kind of instructions. The other thing I wanted to say on this, on this point is this, about running and training. Um, one of the other goals I had was to, uh, at some point in my life, run the Boston Marathon. So for recreational runners, uh, which is, that's really all I am, is a recreational runner, the, the, one of the dreams is to be able to run the Boston Marathon, if you're a marathon runner. I, I understand. So... I know it's all crazy. For some of you, you're just like, this, this dude, is, he's off. Whatever. I, I probably am. But um, to run the Boston Marathon, the problem with the Boston Marathon is that they, they have what's called qualifying times. So it's based on your age and your gender. You have to have run a marathon in a certain amount of time in order to even sign up for the race. Either that or you give tons of money and they let you in. Um, which can be a, a shortcut to it. But from my financial situation, the only way it was going to be to actually qualify. Now, the times are pretty challenging. They are not easy times to accomplish. And so I had set a, a race goal, uh, a time, and picked a race to go run. And uh, at that race, it, it was the Columbus Marathon. It was in Ohio, and I went and ran, many of you remember, back, 10 years ago when I did this, and um, uh, my friend, Nate, he forego, forewent for something. He didn't run a race. Instead, he joined me at mile 13 and paced me 
for 13 miles in order to help me accomplish my goal. He gave up his race to run my race. And I'm forever grateful. I mean, I don't know that I would have made it in the time. I don't know that I would have qualified if he hadn't said, you know what, I'll join you at mile 13 and I'll pace you. Then we get right to the finish line. He kind of broke off and let me, and let me finish. You know, it takes a team. It takes all of us together. This Lone Ranger mentality that I can just forge my way to the finish line, it's a bunch of hooey. The only way we're going to get there is we're going to get there together. We're going to encourage one another. I mean, I could go down the list of people that helped me accomplish the Ironman just here. Nate and Cheryl, um, Rob Hackney loaned me all the equipment that uh, helped me. Andrea uh, went swimming with me and helped me ride a bike. I'm a terrible swimmer. You know, and 2.4 miles in in a river is not something to look forward to if you're not a great swimmer, right? Hello? That's the one part you could actually die in. Uh, And so the rest you can just say, dude, I'm done. I'm getting off this bike. When you're in the middle of a river or a lake, you got to... Anyway, Rob and Jenny, I joined their swim class. Andrea helped me swim. We went out to Oak Mountain. I mean, I could have never made it. And there are others. I would have never made it if not for the team. Team Bart. I, 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 what I'm trying to say is this. What kind of finish you'll have is not just this dream about, oh, I, I'd like to finish like this. The kind of finish you have is going to be determined by the way you train, the team you're a part of, how you invest now. How you invest now. And let me say this, too. We all screw up. Everybody, just look to your right and left, and you'll see somebody who's messed up. I mean, we all do. We all stumble. We all fall. We all have problems. We're all still trying to be sanctified, and, 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 but we, we, we mess up. Well, we don't kill each other when that happens. We pick each other up. We pray for one another. We encourage one another because our goal, our goal here is not just that I finish well, but that we finish well that we together finish, finish well. That's why the Bible talks about spurring one another on to love and good, good deeds. All right, second point, and they won't be as long as that one. What kind of legacy will you leave? What kind of finish are you going to have? And, and at the same time, what kind of legacy? What kind of... Paul says... I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This Saturday at the memorial service for my dad, I'm going to speak about his legacy. I've already written it um, so that I won't cry now. You can come hear me cry on Saturday. But I'm going to talk about his legacy, so I hope you'll come. But Legacy is what's remembered about you, what you leave behind, what, what inheritance you, you, you give after you're gone. And, and we're all going to be gone at some point. Paul, Paul states three things here. He says, I have fought the good fight. He, he speaks to the continuing struggle that he's faced. That life and the gospel and, and church and and loving well, it, it, there is a fight involved. There is an enemy. There is, a, there is a battle that's taking place. There's kingdoms involved. 
And Paul's battle, man, his battle was much more rigorous than our battle. I mean, some of you think you fight a battle, and, and you are, and we are, in our own way. But I mean, look at, you know, Paul says things like, hey, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance and troubles, hardships, distresses, and beatings, imprisonments, riots, and hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. I mean, and then in other places, he articulates how many times he's been beaten, how many times he's been in prison, how many times this has occurred. He has endured, he's fought a fight. He has endured hardship. He says, I finished the race. In fighting a fight, there's a discipline, right? To fight a fight takes discipline. I said last week that when I was talking about parenting, and this is probably my number one rule thing about parenting, is that discipline takes discipline. You know what I mean? Disciplining children takes discipline on your part. Uh, it's always easier not to discipline. I mean, I, I'm as lazy as the next guy. Um, I, I'm, I'd rather not put down my book and discipline. But discipline takes discipline, and that's the way life is. If you're going to finish the race, there's a direction to it. Uh, it, it, there's, it. There's a pressing forward. Paul has been saved, we don't know, maybe 30-something years before he dies. It's a, you know, a 30-year ministry window that, that Paul has. And he's saying it wasn't easy. It was often hard. Sometimes, sometimes I wondered if I would make it, but now I can see the finish line and I see where Jesus has for me. I, I, I finished this race. <clears throat> at, the, at the Ironman, um, they do this thing. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, <laughs> By the time I finish, it's dark. You know, I started, I started at daylight, and I've been going for 13 and a half hours. When I finished, uh, it was dark. So you're running the street. I was running the streets of Chattanooga. It's kind of dark. But you can kind of see where the finish line is because it's all lit up. I mean, it's really bright. And so in a distance, you can see the bright, the bright lights. And you run down this bridge, and you run, and you turn this corner and you're like in these bright lights with all the crowd just cheering you on. And the guy, if I showed you the video, he goes, he, they call every single person's name. And they'll say, like, they'll say, Bart Brookins, you are an Iron Man as you cross the finish line. It's really cool. It's really cool. I'm going to get all misty thinking about it. But. You know, I, I want to say, that's the wake up. I mean, how much bigger is our finish and our legacy before God when we finish the race he's called us to run? I, I believe on June 14th, when my dad crossed, there was a celebration. He'd run the race. He'd finished, and he leaves behind a legacy of followers of Jesus Christ all over the world, sons and daughters of ministry that I've gotten notes from and cards from and letters from. You know, my dad's not, he's never going to, he was never well known, so to speak. He's not a big name, but there's a legacy. You, God it only gives you your sphere of influence to handle. He says, hey, this is your sphere. Bart, this is your sphere. Shepherd it well. Leave a legacy behind in this. He says, I've kept the faith. 
He's encouraging Timothy to do this. <clears throat> Again, if you'll just forgive me one, one, one memory here, one thing. Um, you know, when I, when I found my dad um, on that Friday morning, he had been, um, I'm not trying, I want to be gentle here, but he, he had evidently died suddenly. And he'd been in his desk chair and had fallen on the floor. And I looked at his desk to see, well, what was he doing? And I found this notepad with an open pen, and he was writing a lesson on Jacob and Esau. I apparently, he was studying God's Word and was writing this le lesson on Jacob and Esau. Now, my dad didn't really have a platform right now. I mean, he really... He, he wasn't going to be able to, we had talked about this, he really wasn't going to be able to travel much anymore, if at all. We talked about him doing a class here maybe this fall, but I, I don't know, in other words, this, I don't know what he was studying and writing for. It wasn't like he had a sermon coming up this Sunday or this coming up, but here's the legacy I believe my dad leaves behind. He, he, he loved the Word of God. He loved it so much that he would study it even if. He was just going to write and, and study. And I, I think, you know, in my heart, I don't know exactly this is what he was doing, but I choose to believe that he was looking at God's Word. The question is, what kind of legacy are you going to leave behind for, for, for your, those who are in your physical and spiritual sphere of influence? Finally, this, and I'm not going to talk a lot about this, but what kind of reward will you receive? It's incredible how much the Bible talks about rewards, isn't it? I don't know if you've really looked at the New Testament. Sometimes you should just read the New Testament and just highlight where it talks about rewards. Uh, here, Paul says, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award me. It's an award, a reward, on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We don't, we really don't, by the way, the Bible talks, I don't know, five, six, seven different kinds of crowns. Paul's talking about here the crown of righteousness that he's going to receive. And really, many of us within, I, I, truthfully, I am as well, is, are uncomfortable talking about rewards and awards in heaven. Like I should be working now for a, a reward. And I... I don't want to appear that my Christianity is selfish. Like the only reason I'm doing this is for a reward. And I, I think there's a mentality that we need to get over to say, look, if you just do what God is calling you to do in his power and with his gifting, as tough as this life is and as many battles as you're fighting now, there you're not doing it for the reward, but there will be a reward. R.C. Sproul said this, But the blessing Christ promised, the blessing of great reward, is a reward of grace. The blessing is promised even though it is not earned. Augustine said it this way, Our rewards in heaven are a result of God's crowning his own gifts. You know, really, when it comes down to it, even though we're doing it, God is crowning 
his gift. The only reason you're there, the only reason you're receiving is because God has, God has gifted you. It's all about his glory. C.S. Lewis said, aim at earth and you will get, excuse me, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Uh, it, it, what he's saying is this, look, don't, don't be so focused on just the things right now. Instead, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I saw a window, a door open into heaven, and here's what I, there's nothing wrong with focusing on the glory of the heavenly realm. I think it keeps us actually grounded in what we're doing. I mean, really, if, think about this. If, if I think, if I believe that there is a heaven and a hell, if I believe that there is an eternity with God, an eternal separation from God, and I have a focus on this destiny for every single man, would it not spur me on just a little bit to share the gospel with those who are going to be eternally separated from God? I'm not condemning. I'm just saying we, we are more earthly focused than we'd like to admit. And I believe this eternal perspective will help us in our day-to-day -day activities. The idea of rewards, I, I don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, I, a crown of righteousness and all the different crowns that are going to be there. I, I know this. If I keep my focus on uh, the risen Christ, a father who loves me by the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that I'm his ambassador, meaning my home is not here, my home is there, but I'm going to represent him well then. When I come into that time, he's going to say, hey, good job, ambassador. You represented me well. Well done, good and faithful servant. I entrusted you with this, and you took care of it. Now, come. Enjoy. Enjoy your reward. Whatever that looks like, all I know is it's got to be good. You know, I can try and imagine what that would look like. You know, I can imagine trying to run without growing weary. You know, that whole Iron Man thing. Some of you are like, ah, that's not on my list. I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's going to be good. What kind of reward will you receive? In other words, being faithful as a steward now is what God calls us to. Here's the point of the sermon. Here's the point of Paul's lesson, I think, is there is a finish line. Aim toward the finish. Stay on track. Because when you cross over, you're going to leave a legacy behind. Your reward may be on the other side. You know, all I got for that stinking Iron Man was a medal and a shirt. I did get a shirt. Um, the reward on the other side is going to be even bigger for us. What is that going to look like? And what kind of legacy are you going to leave behind after you're, after you're gone? I think it's time for all of us to reflect on that, that truth. To hang on to. Because Paul is commending Timothy to say, Hey, son, fight it. Keep preaching. Use the gifts God's given you. 
to further his kingdom. Not in a legalistic way, but just out of grace and love and fullness that is, I believe, our call. Keep pressing forward because we're going to get there together. Lord, thank you for your word that brings life to us. Thank you for all that you've given us and that you've blessed us with. And I pray, God, that we will be a people (coughs) called by your name, faithful in what we do, finishing well, leaving a legacy behind. If you tarry and don't come soon, uh, Lord Jesus, that the, the legacy that we leave behind for our spiritual and physical sons and daughters will be awesome. That they'll know. They will be a people of the faith. And Lord, whatever reward you have for us on the other side, Lord, we just say thank you. It's undeserved by us, and it is a gift of grace of yours. And we say thank you. Find us faithful stewards. Lord, I pray right now as we come to a time of giving that that this will not be a duty or an obligation or some kind of manipulation of you, but instead it'll be an act of worship where we give back to you a portion of what you've given to us. And it'll be a testimony of worship and thanksgiving to say, God, this little bit that I'm giving back to you It represents all of me. And just as we've been speaking today about legacy and destiny, that that this little bit of physical resources, it's it's a symbolic act of worship to say, God, take me and use me for the furtherance of your kingdom just as you take these resources. So, Lord, we say thank you and we bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to take up an offering. As you get your offering ready, Scott has uh, some opportunities to share with you. If you're a guest, I'll let let Scott do it. He can talk about the white connection cards. Okay. Uh, If you're new to Fullness again, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, You aren't expected to give anything financially, but you can put down any prayer requests that you would like on the little white connection card that should have been in the the worship folder that you got, uh, or it's on the back of the seat um, in front of you. And I will pray for that. And we would love to do that for you. Uh, As you're getting your your tithes and your offerings ready, I just want to make you aware of a couple things. One, Pastor Bart's already mentioned a a few times, but I want to invite you again to try to come uh, next Saturday to the memorial service for Jimmy Brookins. It's right here at Fulna. It's going to be at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I think it's going to be a a really special, sweet time. So uh, please try to come out and support the Brookins family. And uh, then also... On Wednesday night, we're, you know, we're taking off Wednesday nights this summer, but on this Wednesday night of this week, we're going to do our, our annual uh, churchwide cookout that we like to do every, every summer, and it's going to be again at McCallum Park at uh, 6 o'clock, and so um, you can sign up on fullness.life, fullness.life to, to bring a, a side dish or a dessert. Uh, the church will provide the, the burgers and hot dogs and, and drinks. Um, we're going to have bug spray, plenty of bug spray. I know it's going to be hot, but let's come out and sweat and have fun together. Amen. All right. Let's worship God for the giving of an offering. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of every praise we could ever be. 
worthy of every breath we could